This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Good things are in store. The very best for the church is yet to come. And thank God we have the privilege of being a part of that. I hope you believe that because it is true. I'm not just flapping my lips, you know, or trying to get you happy. I'm telling you the very best is yet to come. I believe that there are going to be some very, what I, the only way I know how to describe it is momentous things happen within the body life of the church and this new year. And all we have to do is say yes. And I tell you what, praise God, some great, great things are going to be happening. And uh, so we're excited about that. Y'all bring a Bible with you tonight? Let's open our Bibles tonight. Where do you want to open your Bible at? Maybe we could just, you could pick. Huh? It might be kind of interesting, huh? Hallelujah. Well, I'll tell you what let's do. Um, let me talk to you first, and I'll tell you where we're going. How about that? Because I'm kind of a little bit conflicted right now, okay? A lot of places we could go, but I'm only interested in where he wants us to go. Amen. If you've been with us for the past several weeks, we've been talking about walking in the fullness of the Holy Ghost. How many of you know God wants you to walk in His fullness? You know, I mean, uh, you know, if you really, you know, got an appetite, hungry, haven't ate for a while, somebody puts on a big old steak dinner, you know, baked potato, whatever it is that you like and all that, and you know, I mean, what you want is you want the full deal, right? You know, somebody coming out there, you know, and they got a little slice at steak and they throw it on your plate and say, well, there you go. No, you want it all. You know what I'm saying? And that ought to be the same way spiritually for believers, praise God. Shovel off the whole load, Lord. I want it all. Praise God. You know, and the Apostle Paul, he said, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. You know, for the Hebrews, the book of Psalms and what David wrote and others, the authors of that uh, of the Psalms, they, that was their, their hymnal. That was their book. Hallelujah. And so, you know, in our generation, you know, we've gotten new songs. I was just, I was uh, on my way to do a couple things here today, and I was just worshiping God and, and praising Him. And man, up out of my innermost being comes this song. I mean, talk about the archives. This thing, man, I mean, it was way back there, but it was glorious, you know, just to honor him and to worship and magnify the Lord, my king, your king, the one who purchased us with his own blood, glory to God. And he wants us to walk in the fullness. I mentioned to you about Jesus and the things that he said to his disciples, it would do you well, you know, especially in the book of John, some of the things, you know, that, that, that he spoke with regard to prior to his departure. And, and how it is that he, he couched all of this, this information or knowledge uh, in, in the context of, you need to understand this. You need to know what it is that's going to take place. The, the expediency and what it, the profitability of what it is that's going to take place, how it will help you. And the equipping and the empowerment. These men, you know, the Bible prophesied that they... That, that the shepherd would be smitten and the sheep would scatter. And they did. And it isn't because they weren't uh, loyal or anything of that nature to the extent that they knew how to be. But when Jesus was taken by those soldiers, um, it upended their world. 
And they thought maybe that the party was all over. But here's the interesting thing about it. When Jesus rose from the dead and he appeared unto them, guess what? They took heart. But more than that, on the day of Pentecost, 51 days after he was resurrected from the dead, they were filled with the Holy Ghost. So our acquaintance with him and being led, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, for as many as are being led by the Spirit of God, the Bible says they are the adult sons of God. You know, there are a lot of people that are born of the Spirit of God. You know, they've been born again, but they, they're not led by the Holy Ghost. They're led by tradition. They're led by religion. They're, re, they're led by experiences they've had in the past. They're led by human reasoning. They're led by all kinds of things. But they're not led by the Spirit of God. Doesn't mean they don't love Jesus. Doesn't mean they're not going to heaven. But I tell you what, praise God, we need to know the way of the Spirit of God. And the Spirit and the Word always agree. So, you know, if somebody comes up with some goofy idea and it doesn't line up with the Bible, just forget it, you know, because it's just junk. Hallelujah. So thank God for the, the heritage of faith that we have and what it is that we know. You know, we just, whether you realize it or not, when you got saved, you became a lifelong learner. And praise God, you know, I mean, we don't know everything. The Bible says we know in part, but thank God for the part we know. Hallelujah. So we know who our enemy is, at least some of us do anyway, praise God. It's not our neighbor, it's not our spouse, it's not the guy that we work for. You know, our adversary is the devil, who, as a roaring lion, goes about seeking whom he may devour. Doesn't mean he can, but he, he looks, you know. Well, you know, that whole thing with Job, you know, and God, he's, you know, where you been? roaming the earth. Hey, checked out my servant Job lately. You know, he says, well, you know what? If you take your hand off of him, he curse you to your face. He says, no, he won't, you know. And, and so uh, I got off on a whole nother thing there. Praise God. Oh, we're talking about knowing your enemy. But in that verse, it says that he seeks those whom he may and I tell you what, you guys, I bet I've read that scripture in First uh, uh, Peter chapter 5 and 8, maybe 10, wherever it is. Uh, I don't know how many times, but I never thought about the context of that. And the last word that he uses there, seeking whom he may, what's the word? Devour. Now, I don't know about you, but that to me, describes something. And, and again, I, I mean, I've read it and read it and read it, but I realized how violent that word describes his desire to absolutely destroy people. Okay? And we see it happening. I mean, if you're not a child of God, I mean, we can all say this, but I mean, I don't even know what it'd be like to live in this world and not know Jesus. But you've got to understand we're on this side of the, of, of the cross with the light of the gospel in our eyes and in our heart. But there are a lot of folk out there, they got nothing. And they're living in darkness. And uh, that's why the church needs to shine. That's why you need to shine. That's why you need to take the advice of Paul when he said, don't ever be ashamed of the gospel. It's through the foolishness of preaching that people get saved. They may mock you. They may criticize you. They may speak all manner of evil against you. But I tell you what, praise God, you're one of the happiest people on this planet. 
Glory to God. So don't let it deter you. Hallelujah. I've been criticized by experts. Glory to God. But you know, praise God, we're still doing what we do. You know? And people will question your motives, bless their hearts. I tell you what. You know, I mean, but you know, at the end of the day, we all answer to Him. Isn't that right? And so that's what you've got to keep your eyes on and focus. Because when you start doing damage to hell's kingdom, you know, um, they start showing up trying to figure out a way to put a stop to that. How many of you know the devil does not like what you're doing on any level? But Jesus said the gates of hell shall not prevail against what? The church. And you know, gates are intended to keep people out. Did you know that? So the gates of hell, the Bible says, is not going to prevail against the pressure or the offensive movement of the church. You know, so many people, unfortunately, I'm talking about in the body of Christ, I mean, they're afraid of the devil. The devil's defeated. He's a defeated foe. Jesus spoiled principalities and powers. He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. He said, all power and authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. Now you go in my name, hallelujah, and represent me and my kingdom in this world. Oh, glory to God. I tell you what, praise God, that's what we're shouting about. Amen? Yeah. So thank God we have the privilege. Everybody say privilege. You have the privilege to represent him in this earth. And he wants you to walk in the fullness of his spirit because the Holy Ghost can help you, praise God, when you need help. He can show you things that you don't know anything about. He can give you power when you don't have anything but weakness. Praise God. And he wants to do that. And so... Praise God. We talked a lot about that, and, and uh, uh, it was good. God wants you to be full of the Holy Ghost. Amen? And the Holy Ghost, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, is intended for every believer. Some people, you know, they have the mistaken idea. They read the Scriptures, you know, and they say, well, it's not for everybody. Well, you can't find that in the Bible. Oh, yeah, I can find it right here. You know, it says that, you know, do all, are all prophets, are all uh, apostles, do all speak with tongues, so on and so forth. You know, it, 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 and you got to make a distinction between ministry gifts, gifts of the Spirit, and being filled with the Holy Ghost as a devotional gift for you personally. And when the Apostle Paul was talking in that particular uh, context, he was talking about people that are used in a public setting to speak with other tongues. There's a gifting or anointing on their life to do so. Are you with me? So praise God. No, you know, when Peter was preaching there in the second chapter, he said, for the promise is to you, to your children, to as many as be afar off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. Praise God. So everyone means you're the one. Everybody ought to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Glory to God. Now we talked about the fact it's separate and, or subsequent to being born again, although people, you know, they can get saved, filled, and a whole bunch right there in one fell swoop, which is kind of nice. Glory to God. You know, it took me six months to get filled with the Holy Ghost. I wish I'd have got filled with the Holy Ghost right away because then I didn't have to unlearn and deal with a bunch of doubt and unbelief and junk, you know. Because when I was introduced to it, I'm thinking, oh, no, I got everything I need. Well, I didn't have everything I need. I thought I had everything I need, but thank God for the Bible. Everybody say, thank God for the Bible. 
doesn't matter what you think about it. The only thing that matters is what the Bible says. And praise God, after I scoured the Word of God, the New Testament, I discovered, glory to God, there's this gift that's separate or subsequent to my being saved called the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. And he said I would receive power when he comes on me. Hallelujah. So thank God I have the privilege of being able to be a participant and a, uh, a recipient, actually, of that. Glory to God. We mentioned the fact that God doesn't give you the Holy Ghost. You have to receive the Holy Ghost. Are you listening to me? A lot of people think that God's going to, you know, take over, you know, their, their physical function and everything of that nature. No, that's not the way it works. Praise God, you've got to receive. Father, I believe that I receive what it is that you've provided. Hallelujah. You know, Carrie Beller, she got filled with the Holy Ghost. When was that? About a month ago? <laughs> you should have seen her face, man. She lit up like a Christmas tree. Started speaking with other tongues. Glory to God. And Sammy's not in here, but um, uh, Sammy Doty, she got filled with the Holy Ghost here a little bit uh, not too many weeks ago. And uh, same thing. Glory to God. I think she's overworking in the children's church tonight. But, you know, <clears throat> thank God for the Holy Ghost. Praise God. But you have to receive Him. Or receive it. Glory to God. And, you know, people can get filled with the Holy Ghost a lot of different ways. The Apostle Paul laid hands on those disciples down there in Ephesus, and they received the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. He laid hands on Timothy. He said, stir up the gift of God that is within you, in you that you receive by the putting on of my hands. Hallelujah. So, you know, there's different ways. And, of course, right on the other hand, you can be like Cornelius and that crew in his house. They're sitting there listening to Peter preach, and all of a sudden the Spirit of God fell on them. They all started speaking with other tongues. Nobody laid no hands on nothing, man. They just took off. Hallelujah. Isn't that cool? The day of Pentecost, this rushing mighty wind comes in, man, and all of a sudden people, you know, start speaking in an unknown language to them. We do hear them speak in our own language, the wonderful works of God. Glory to God. Everybody say, thank God for the Holy Ghost. Yeah, thank God for the Holy Ghost. And, of course, we receive it by faith. And, and that's kind of where we ended up, you know, in talking about some different things. And, and it, I seem to kind of, you know, take off in a different direction because, uh, you know, faith makes the difference between winning and losing. I'm telling you, it makes a difference whether you're going to stay happy or sad. Faith in God's Word. And that's not some long shot. You know, God said, you know, Jesus said, have faith in God. Hallelujah. But the thing of it is, is that everything that you and I receive from heaven, we receive by faith. You're saved by faith. You're justified by faith. You're healed by faith. All of these things come as a result of this wonderful thing called faith. And so we receive uh, by it and through it. And, and one of the things I talked about, was it last week? Did I preach last week? Yeah, I guess I did. Talked about people not, one of the problems that people have is not understanding the nature of faith. Because faith is of the heart. Paul said, for with the heart man believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And a lot of people, they have head faith, they mentally agree, but you know when it comes to really having heart faith, they don't. Are you with me? And we'll maybe uh, uh, dig into that a little bit as we go here, but here's the thing about faith. It's only got one source. Faith comes by what? Hearing. And hearing what? 
the Word of God. I mean, you want to have faith? Then you're going to have to get in the book and let the book get in you. Glory to God. You know, and the thing about it is, is if you do that, you don't have to try to believe God. I mean, the revelation knowledge of his word. I was listening to a uh, professor today. I just happened to be listening to this, this tape, and he was talking about the Jewish rabbis that when they, when, when they came up to a, uh, something within the Bible that they did not understand, and I'm not going to get this exactly right, but when they didn't, you know, when there seemed to be a uh, disparity or there was something you know, about it that seemed to contradict itself, that what they would do is they would back away from the Bible and stop and they would begin to dance. You know, you've, have you ever seen them? You know, they get in them circles and they dance and do all this stuff. And the reason that they're dancing is because they know that, that God is about to show them something by revelation that they do not know in the word of God that explains why they can't understand it. Hallelujah, you know, and thank God for the revelation of his word. You know, when Paul was praying, he said that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And then the Bible talks about, you know, that, that God would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. It's not what you know up here, it's what you know down here. Hallelujah. And so it becomes important for us to expose ourselves to the Word of God and allow God to make that deposit in our heart. And secondly, you know, I talked about this before, but faith is of the heart. You know, it's not of the head. The Bible says again, for with the heart man believes, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Glory to God. Also, we talked about that Bible faith or the God kind of faith is released by the things that you say and the things that you do. Are you with me? That woman, you know, with the issue of blood, you know, she believed, she acted, and she received. What did she do? She believed. She believed what she heard. If I can touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. And she made her move toward him. She got to him, touched the hem of his garment, praise God. She acted on what she believed. And when she got to him and touched him, she received the need that she had in her life met. Glory to God. So when we talk about faith, you know, with the hand of faith, we reach out and receive it either again by word or by action. Now look with me real quickly here. Let's go to um, uh, Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. I know you've read this scripture many times, but it won't hurt you to do it again. I'm going to back up a little bit so my wife can see me. She was, she was telling me, she says, you keep scooting up. The, you know, you're about to go all the way up the thing, and then I got to wrench my neck around just to see you. So she, she actually said, when we go to church, she said, I think I'm going to sit in the back. That way I got a better shot at you. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Notice what it says here. This is when Jesus cursed the fig tree. And I, I just, I, I think that this was all um, a, a holy setup for a teachable moment where these disciples were concerned. Because you remember Peter, he said, look, 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 Jesus, that tree you cursed, it's withered away. And his response to him in verse 22 was to have faith in God or have the God kind of faith. So now he's going to teach us what that is or what the God kind of faith is. In verse 23, he says, for verily I say unto you that whosoever shall what? They'll what? Say. 
Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his what? Yeah. But shall believe that those things which he what? Says shall come to pass, he will what? He'll have whatever he says. Now, a lot of people, you know, they've mistook what was just got done being quoted there as mind over matter, Gnosticism, you know, uh, nonsense, whatever. But, you know, these, these words fell from the lips of the Master. They came from Jesus. And, and a lot of times what it is that people, they don't under, understand the spirit of it or the context of it, and so they chalk it up as being nonsense. They think that if you say it long enough, you know, it'll come to pass. That's not what this is about at all. We overcome by the word of our testimony and by the blood of the Lamb, right? So the things that you say matter, okay? Now, again, they can be taken out of context, but that's what Jesus said. Whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed, be cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe, hallelujah, that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he'll have whatever he says. Now, I'm going to make a statement to you. It's kind of a play on words, but just listen to what it is that I'm saying. A minister years and years and years ago made this statement. He said the problem with so many believers is, is that they are saying what they have instead of having what they say. They're saying what they have. In other words, they see their circumstance, they see their deficiency, their lack, they see the problem, they see whatever, and that's what they talk about. Huh? And you're going to discover within the kingdom of heaven that is not the way it works. That faith can change the circumstance because it's temporal. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea. Why would I do that? If I have a mountain of deficiency or if I have a mountain of lack, then the last thing that I want to do is start talking about how big that mountain is. Huh? What I want to do is I want to start saying what God said. And I might just have to say, well, you know what? It's a pretty good sized mountain. But God said that he would supply all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So I'm not sure how that's going to happen, but praise God, I believe him. And when he speaks to me, I'm going to follow him. I'm going to do what he says. Are you listening to me? So you'll have, but again, a lot of people are saying what they have instead of having what they say. And so they miss out on the benefit of what it is that God has for them in their personal lives. And so, and, and here's the thing, what happens when we do that is that things begin to occupy our lives that don't belong there. There may be things in your life that are going on, they don't belong there. Why? Because you're redeemed. Huh? So we need to discover what it is that Christ has redeemed us from. He said Christ has redeemed us from the curse, glory to God, of the law being made a curse for us, so that the blessing, everybody say blessing, the blessing of Abraham can come on us. <clears throat> now, if you talk defeat, if you talk doubt and unbelief, you know, a lot of people do it. I mean, you know, I mean, that's just where they are. I'm, I'm not throwing rocks or anything of that nature. But I tell you what, if you want to win in life, if you want to have victory in your life, you're going to have to start talking and believing what it is that God has said about your life. You know, 
my wife and I, we were having coffee the other morning. And, uh, and, and this is the thing about it is, is it can be so subtle. You know, you, you can find yourself talking about stuff you shouldn't be talking about. You know, and so we're having coffee, and, and, and I said something. She said, not me. I said, you're right. Not me either. You with me? Because this thing right here, well, it'll tell you where you're going. And everybody is where they're at because of this. Now, you know, a lot of folks say, well, you're just goofy in a $3 bill. Well, you know, you might think that, but that's okay. Doesn't bother me. But I can tell you this much about it. If you want to change your life, change what you're allowing to come out of your mouth. Amen. And again, you know, it, what it does is it, it opens the door for things to move into your life that don't belong there. And, and it is a fact what I'm sharing with you. And so we have to put a guard or a watch over our lips. Isn't that right? And so we unconsciously open up the door to things that, again, we're redeemed from. You know, like a lot of times with sickness and disease, people will talk about, you know, well, my arthritis is, is acting up. What did they say? What did they just say? They said what? My arthritis is acting up. What's that mean? They took it. Huh? I was just talking to one of our church members here. And it was, a, oh, it's been a few months ago now. He went to the doctor. And um, he had elevated... Um, um, blood sugar numbers or whatever the case might be. And, and the, the physician or whoever says, well, you're diabetic. He goes, no, I'm not. You know, well, she's looking at what she's looking at, but he knows, praise God. And, and here's the thing you need to understand. Listen to what I'm saying here so you don't go half cocked, okay? If he didn't stop doing what he was doing, he was going to have a problem. Are you with me? He said, no, I am not. In other words, he didn't take what was being said. It was the potential for this to, to happen in his life. You better believe it. So what did he do? He changed his habits and changed his food and changed, you know, and so on and so forth. And guess what? Numbers went back down where they belong. Are you with me? When uh, this would have been, I can't remember now when this was, but I had... Um, uh, a thyroid that was acting up. It was hyper, hupo, hypo. Yeah, it was going crazy. And so anyway, uh, the doctor, uh, we went through this big, you know, whole deal. And basically, uh, he gets me with an endocrinologist and the guy says, you got Graves disease. I said, no, I do not. And they go, well, look right here. You know, you can say whatever you want about it. In other words, I never accepted their report. All right. Now, I might have something going on in my body and it's dysfunction or whatever the case might be, but it is not mine. I am redeemed. So they told me, they said, well, the only way to solve this problem is we're going to kill your thyroid and we're going to we'll have this uptake. You know, <laughs> you know, when a woman comes in and she's got a lead um, cup and you're not going to touch what's in it, we're just going to drop it in your mouth. That's kind of a problem. Huh? It's like, hello. Well, so they go through this whole thing, you know, and they said, okay, we know what we need to do to ablate your, your thyroid and things like that. So the only thing left to do is just set up a schedule and we'll make it happen. 
I picked up the phone on three different occasions every time I was smitten in my spirit. Don't do it. So I'd go to the phone, and I didn't do it. I didn't. Finally, I just called him. I said, listen, I'll, uh, 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 I'll get a hold of you when I can. Or I don't know what I said. So I had, to go ta- I had to go to my doctor's appointment for my physical. So, you know, he gets on a computer, you know, and he's bringing all this stuff up, and he's, you know, all of a sudden he's reading, and he goes, he starts looking at me, he looks at it, and looks at it. He said, you didn't have it done. I said, nope. And, uh, you know, so he was not a happy camper. Because you can't tell doctors whatever, okay? And I said, listen, doc, I know you don't understand, but I said, I could not, in good conscience, do what you asked me to do. Now, I know you won't understand that, but that's where I'm at. I'm not doing it. Well, the fact is, is that after I did all of that, I got into the Word of God, man, and I mean, I made it my ambition, and I got a hold of the revelation of God's Word, and I got healed. Okay, so I'm in this doctor's appointment. He says, well, how do you feel? I said, I feel great, you know, and uh, he says, well, we might as well, you know, have the blood work, you know, done because uh, um, I'm sure, you know, it's going to be blah, blah, blah. So he requested the blood work. Well, and he's always really good about getting back in two or three days after this. And so he did. He said, well, Mr. Kelsrup, I just want to let you know that your blood works just perfect. I said, I believe that. And I said, uh, uh, I said, by the way, I said, uh, could you send me a copy of that? Because I want it as a testimony. Praise God. To the goodness of God. What am I saying to you? You know, the thing is, is you can hear what it is I just got done saying. And what I want you to understand is I want, to, I want you to understand the potential of what belongs to you and, and is possible. He said, all things are possible possible to him that believes. Now, if you don't have faith for that, then you might have to go ahead and go through the process and whatever so that they can do it. But I'm just telling you, praise God, that there is a way in God that can keep you from a whole lot of stuff. Are you listening to me? I'll give you a great example. Uh, Think with me for just a moment. Um, Let's see, is that the way I want to do that? Um, No, that's not the way I want to do it. Yeah, it is. Okay. Let's just say you're at home one afternoon, phone rings, you pick it up, and it's an impound lot, someplace and God only knows where. And they say, is this Mr. Calstrup or is this Mr. Whatever? And you say, yep, sure is. Says, we've got a car over here that belongs to you. It's been on the lot, you know, for 116 days, and we're charging you like X amount of dollars, and we need for you to get over here and get this car picked up. And it's not your car, Okay. You don't have a car like that. And you say, well, I don't have a car like that, and I certainly don't have one wherever this impound lot is. And you say, well, Mr. Kelship, there's a registration in here that says that this car is yours. You can say, well, all right, I'll go. I'll come and take a look at it. But I'm just telling you, I don't have that. That car is not mine. So I go over, and I check it out, you know, and I said, show me this registration. And I look at the registration, and sure enough, it's got my name on it. But instead of it being, you know, for 2020 and 21, it, it's a registration for 2008 on a car that isn't even the same car that they're telling me that belongs to me. So I say, I don't know where you got your info, but this here tells me that is not mine. 
And here's the thing, that I, the point that I want to make. The devil will bring stuff into your life. See, sickness and disease is an enemy. It's an enemy. But if he can convince you somehow by false representation that it's yours, you, well, you know, I guess it must be mine. Well, no, it's not yours. You know, I mean, you understand the analogy that I'm trying to use? So when stuff comes into your life, you resist the devil, and he will what? Flee. Flee. I mean, you can get sicker than a dog, but you still don't have to accept it. It ain't mine. Huh? You say, well, that's just foolishness. Trust me, it's not. Praise God. Look, look uh, uh, with me. Um, Turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. How many are you glad you came tonight? Amen. Matthew the 6th chapter. Let's talk about this in the context. How many, who can, who can quote a verse of Scripture for me about care, worry, and anxiety and what the Bible has to say about it? Can anybody do that? Pardon me? Casting all your care, excuse me, upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. Anybody else got another verse? Huh? Sorry? Peace. Okay, yeah, there you go. Amen. Yeah. Okay. Isn't there another verse that says, be careful for what? For what? For what? For what? Nothing. Well, Pastor, you know, uh, you might like to think that that's possible. You're living in a dream world. You're not living in the real world when you think you, you know, don't have to worry about anything. Right? But what did the Bible say? Be careful for what? Nothing. Nothing. What, what, by definition, what does nothing mean? Nothing. Hallelujah. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. What would the request kind of sound like? It would be, well, Lord, you know, this thing's come my way, but thank God you said I don't have to worry about nothing. So I'm casting my care onto you because you said you care for me. Huh? That's faith. Huh? And a lot of times, you know, the thing about things that come to us in our lives, they, they uh, you got to understand, I mean, the devil is a tactical genius. And he will use emotions and anything he can to strike at the heart of your being, if he can. Sometimes I'm telling you, you're fighting some kind of battle, but I tell you what, praise God, you need to let what it is that God says, that be the only thing that comes out of your mouth. Are you listening to me? So, <clears throat> um, did you all find uh, Matthew? Look here with me if you would. Jesus is talking about what we're to put our trust in. Basically, he's dealing uh, primarily with money. But for the sake of time, I want you to see something here in verse, uh, let's jump in on uh, verse 24, Matthew chapter 6 and 24. No man 
can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he'll hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon or money. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life. Now, I'm going to ask you a question, and I want you to answer it. I just want you to think about it. He says, therefore, I say unto you, what's the next three words? Take no thought. Now, I want to ask you this question. How do you do that? How do you, how do you, in other words, he's saying don't take thought, but he's, he's, uh, but if you were to, how would you take thought? Just think about that for a little bit. Let's go on reading. Notice what it says. Therefore, I say unto you, verse 25, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, or yet for your body, what you shall put on is not the life more than meat than the, and the body raiment. Now, obviously, the anxious thought, which is what's implied here, is because of a concern of lack or deficiency in these areas. Is that right? Okay, let's go on reading. Notice in verse 26, Behold the fowl of the air. They sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father, glory to God, feeds them, and then he asks the question, aren't you much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, again, I want to ask you, what is that? How do we take thought? Can add one cubit to his stature. Why do you take thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. So, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, <laughs> ouch, O ye of little faith? Hallelujah. Here's the answer to my question that I gave to you. Notice verse uh, 31. Therefore, take no thought. What's the next word? Saying. Take no thought saying. The car in the impound lot does not belong to you. So don't take it by saying. Does that make sense to you? You know? You know, a bad report, an evil report, something like that comes your way. And I'm not, I'm not talking about being in denial, all right? When the doctor told me that I had the condition, I had all of the symptoms that would reflect that. Well, yes and no. But the reality is, I was not accepting that because I knew that I was redeemed. Okay? So I wasn't, I wasn't speaking out of turn. I wasn't trying to be disrespectful. I wasn't, um, I wasn't in denial. But I just knew that right there is an enemy, and it is not mine, and I'm not going to receive it. Are you with me? Are you with me? And, and the fact of the matter is, it, like I said, it's so subtle sometimes without even knowing it, we say things and we, I mean, it's like we're signing for stuff that doesn't even belong to us. And it certainly doesn't belong in our lives. So, you know, when you get in the company of a group of people, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, this happens all the time, especially when it comes to these political things. I mean, man, people go, I mean, they go ballistic you know, well, what's the best advice I could give to you on a deal like that? Don't get in the conversation. 
Stop watching the news. We all know they're crazy, okay? So what difference does it make? Why do we have to keep talking about it? Are you with me? God's bigger. He knew all about this. He said, hey, don't trouble yourself about it. You just do what I ask you to do. I'll take care of you. Hallelujah. You know, the government is not your source. Huh? And whatever political party that you ascribe to or whatever, they're not going to save you. Are you listening to me? Oh, they got all the great answers. You know, they're just the you know, best thing since sliced cheese. Well, no. Unfortunately, there are people that are of corrupt minds, destitute of the truth. They wouldn't know the truth if it came up to them in a red suit. Huh? And some of them, you know, the, their, their, their governing abilities... I mean, dude, they couldn't govern them their way. I mean, they couldn't lead somebody out of a brown paper sack. It's terrible, okay? But that doesn't change God. It doesn't change redemption. It doesn't change his will for you. Are you with me? And I tell you what, it'd do you well. You ought to read Daniel a lot. Because this guy, you know, it's kind of like what I think it was Joel was talking about, how that Nebuchadnezzar killed his parents and hauled him off to Babylon and took him and a few others, whoever was really smart, and said, bring him in the kingdom, let's feed him a bunch of stuff, and let's see what we can come up with, because we'll use the wisdom that's in him for our purposes. And, you know, I mean, uh, the people around him conspired against him. You know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego got thrown in the fire. You know, on that one occasion, you know, he dreamt that dream, you know, and Nebuchadnezzar had, and he wanted him to tell the dream and the interpretation. Oh, I tell you what, praise God. I tell you, when I think about that, that just, you know, it, it, it so blesses me, the response that Daniel had. He said, there isn't anybody, king, in all of your realm. There's no sorcerers. There's no witches. There's no soothsayers. There isn't anybody that can answer the question that you have, but there is the inspiration of the Almighty. Glory to God. And he says, I got the answer. Well, it elevated him. Hallelujah. And my point to using that particular illustration is, is that this guy was in the midst, pardon me, but a hellhole. And God promoted him. God blessed him. God preserved him, God kept him, God moved him, and, and I mean the other three, same way. Why? Because their trust was in God, not in all these other things. So I tell you what, praise God, forget about all that. Don't even look at it. Don't even listen to it. You know, I turned the TV off after the election because I decided I'm done with this. Well, so... <clears throat> Sometime after that, maybe two, three weeks, I turned it on, and, and, and this is a conservative news outlet, and I said, this stuff is unhealthy, and I shut it off. Just because it's a certain whatever media outlet, that'll make it good. Because, dude, they're, they're, you know, it's all about drama. Drama sells. Problem sells. Well, you don't need that. I said, you don't need that. Praise God, life is passing you by and you're all knotted up over something that's going on 1,500 miles away from you that you can't do anything about anyway. And I mean, life is passing you by. 
Huh? We ought to be, you know, rejoice and praise God. It's 63 degrees in Iowa. You know? And being glad. The heat wave. Come on. And rejoicing in that. And what our plans are. What God's plans are for us. Our dreams. What we want to do. You know? That type of thing. Instead of all the rest of it. Hallelujah. I'm reading this from the uh, English Standard Version. They may, ha- may be able to generate it and put it up on the screen for you. This is uh, James chapter 3 and verse 2. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able also to br- bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole body as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong wind, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member in your body, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by what? Hell. You want to know why people have hell in their life? It's because of what they say. You know, we have couples, we have people living together, we have whatever, and it's nothing but hell on earth because of what they say. And they don't know the difference, they're clueless. Are you listening to me? That's why the servant of the Lord must never strive. I I would suggest to you that strife is probably one of the number one devices that the devil uses to destroy people's lives. Something says someone says something a little bit you know, off color or whatever, and all of a sudden, bam, you're off. And you're upset. Well, dude, you've just been taken captive by the devil at his will. That's what the Bible says. Are you listening to me? So you better harness your mind and start thinking the way God thinks and just pass it up. Don't take it. Because if you take it and you think about it long enough, then you're going to have something to say. Sometimes it doesn't take people very long to say something. But you get it. And it destroys people's lives. It destroys relationships. It, 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 it's just, it's hideous is what it is. And the devil devours people. I'm going to start a series this Sunday on love, uh, the way to victory. And we're going to be talking about, you know, Jesus said love never fails. So if you get a grip on and understand the functionality of love within your life and what it really means, you know, love does not mean weak. And we'll talk about that. Love is powerful, man. Very powerful. You know, the Bible says that Moses was the meekest man in the earth. You know what the word meek means? The word meek means the fruit of power. What it means is you know who you are so you don't have to try to prove to everybody else who you are. Huh? You don't have to put on a show because you know who you are. Well, when you find out and get a revelation of the love of God and the fact that He's in you, God is love, and He's in you, then you don't have to step into that kind of a mess 
and end up in a place that you don't want to be in. Are you with me? And a lot of times when you choose not to do that, the person that's trying to drag you into the mess gets madder. But just say, well, sorry, I'm out. Huh? Not my car. You're going to have to get that thing, you know, you might as well send it to the crusher because I ain't coming after it and I ain't paying you for it. It's not mine and it's not yours. Hallelujah. So what have you been saying about your life? What have you been saying about this new year? I, was, I had a project going on. It was, it, was, it was an investment, and it was significant and things like that. And the coronavirus showed up. I'm in the middle of this thing. I brought property, and I'm going to do this deal, you know. And we get right up into the early uh, stages of the year in the spring. And, and, and these contractors are going, well, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, you sure you want to do this? You know, well, you know, I had a, I had a, uh, uh, I don't know what you call it, but I would just say that I had within my heart that this is something that I need to do. Now I have a choice. I can sit there and go, you know, he might be right. You know, I wonder if, yeah. Well, as it turned out, I didn't listen to that because I knew from heaven that I was doing what I needed to be doing. And what, and the way, what was so beautiful about it is, is while everybody's pulling back, God's moving forward. And not only that, but I got everybody in the name, you know, in, in terms of who I need to get my job done. And God gave me some incredible weather. Hallelujah. Never did rain. Hallelujah. We're pouring all this concrete, you know, and it's just like kumbaya, baby. It was awesome. You know? And so the whole thing moved around. But what, what if I had listened to that? You with me? Now, if the Holy Ghost would have said, you know what, uh, pull the plug or whatever, you know, then that'd be a different story. You got to listen to your spirit. You know, learn to listen to this guy down here and what he's saying, and it'll bless you. It'll help you. Praise God. And we got to close. So what have you been saying about your life? What have you been saying about this new year? You know, what have you been saying about your kids? What have you been saying about your spouse? What have you been saying about this, that, or the other? Is it good or is it bad <laughs> or is it ugly? Huh? So you might want to get that changed. Are you talking defeat? Are you talking lack? Are you talking discouragement? Are you talking anger, frustration? And I'm not trying to please understand that my intention and what it is I'm sharing with you is not to get you to um, deny things that you're dealing with in your life. Nothing could be further from the truth. But you know what? Talking about them only accentuates it and makes it stronger. So what you need to do is start talking to it in the name of Jesus. You with me? And say, you will not have your way in this, in this life of mine or you know, whatever the circumstance is. You know, I, there's parents all over. They're fighting for their kids. And thank God that they got sense enough to fight for them. Are you listening to me? Because they need you. You know, they go stupid, you know, and they're thinking this, that, and the other. I mean, they need your prayers. Now, listen to me. If God can get the whole church to go to prayer day and night for Peter so that he doesn't end up like James... And God sends an angel and delivers this man. He can do the same thing for any of your children if you'll believe him. Yep. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? 
God, I mean, take the prayers of Ephesians chapter 1 and chapter 3, pray them for your kids. God, give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. May the eyes of their understanding be enlightened so they'll know the hope of your calling. I tell you what, just sick the hounds of heaven on them. Glory to God. So are you talking defeat, lack, discouragement, anger, frustration, criticism, cynicism? You know, dude, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm working on that. I mean, I ain't got nothing to say about nothing, you know, because a lot of times what you got to say is, you know, your opinion, and guess what? It don't amount to a hill of beans 95% of the time. Well, what do you think about this? I don't think nothing. Hallelujah. That's a good answer, you know? Why? Because I don't want to get in trouble. Then I got to repent. You know, and all that, and that ain't no fun. How many of you realize that's no fun? So just, you know, amen. You know, they tried to trap Jesus all the time. And you notice how many times he wouldn't say a word? He said, we found this woman. She was in bed with some guy, and the Bible says that we're supposed to stone her. What do you think? He didn't say anything to him. He said, well, Finally, you know, because they kept badgering him. He says, well, he that's without sin among you, throw the first stone. See, under the Levitical law, um, all you had to have is one person that uh, was uh, blameless and, and without sin. If they made a declaration against the person who had sin, then all the rest of them could join in and stone them. But see, what Jesus said was, he that's among you, let him cast the first stone. Well, they being convicted by their own conscience started walking away one by one. The reality is there was only one person in that whole crowd that could do it, and it was Jesus. So what did he say? Where are your accusers? Is there no one to condemn you? And she says, no one, Lord. And he says, Neither do I. See, he had the right to do it, and he didn't. Are you with me? So I don't know what I was talking about to lead us into that conversation, but it's good anyway. Amen? Oh, I know. Just stay out of it. Yeah. What's the name of your message tonight? Stay out of it. Okay? Just only say what he says. Praise God. And... There's a lot of other things we could talk about here, but be careful what you say because the things that come out of your mouth matter, okay? Jesus said, no man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever, and that tree died. And he said, take a lesson and learn. Whoever says to this mountain, be removed, doesn't doubt in his heart, but believes that those things which he says, he'll have whatever he says. There, and that's why I say when you pray, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. Praise God. But we, sometimes we cut, we, we cut our legs out from under ourselves and undermine our own victory by having a conversation that we shouldn't be having. Amen? And it indicates something, but we don't have time to get into that tonight. Praise God. Just put a watch over your lips. And don't say those things. You hear me? That man is supposed to be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, or wrath. So we're slow to anger, we're slow to speak, but we got really good ears, 
Right? Praise God. You want to stand with me? Bless your Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we love you tonight so very much. We thank you for the instruction of the head of the church, the Lord Jesus, the one who taught us how to live, and not only that, but to function within this earthly realm with something called faith. And Father, I'm surrounded, I'm in a room full of people with faith. And so, Father, I ask you to help each and every one of us. Put a watch over our lips, Father, just as the psalmist said in Psalm 141. Help us to put a watch over our lips. That, Father, we let no corrupt communication come out of our mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister to great, the grace of God to those who hear. Father, I'm so excited about what it is you're doing and going to do, Father, through the local church, through the members of the body of Christ. And God, I know that you're preparing us, that you're equipping us, you're helping us to become grounded and settled so that, Father God, we can be more effectively used by you. And so, Lord, I just thank you for your blessing in every one of our lives. While your heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You know, if what I was saying here this evening brought attention to something you know that maybe you've been entertaining you've been talking about that really is of a negative nature or unprofitable you know right now is the greatest time in your life just to say god please forgive me for that i'm so sorry that those those harsh words were spoken i'm so sorry that that i had a negative response to this that or the other if you happen to be here tonight you find yourself in that place let's pray Let's ask God, praise God, to forgive us, and let's get on the good ground where we need to be. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your living word, and I ask you to forgive me, Lord, for things that I've said, even things I've done, that would be dishonorable to you. Forgive me, Father. I ask you to help me to put a guard over my mouth. Yes, Lord, don't let me sin in what I say. And I just want to thank you, Father God, for your grace in my life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Praise God. You may be seated. God bless you.